What's up, Hogland Nation? You know we gotta tell you about Mr. T's Tuxedos. Do you or someone you know have a wedding, formal, prom, or big event coming up soon? Well, lucky for you, we have you covered. Mr. T's Tuxedos has the best suits and tuxedos in the area, and will have you looking your best for your big day. With their main store located in Minersville, PA, they also offer fitting services located in Center City, Philly, as well as on-site fittings at your preferred location. Make sure to mention that Hogline sent you when you visit in-store or reach out with an inquiry. To take a look at their catalog and for more information on all that Mr. T's Tuxedos has to offer, visit MrT'sTux.com. That's M-R-T-S-T-U-X.com. And remember, you only have one shot at looking your best. Be sure to take it with Mr. T's Tuxedos. What's going on, Hogline Nation? Welcome back to the Hogline Podcast. I'm your host, Mitchell Manis, alongside my co-hosts, Jack Manis and Andrew Schreffler. Welcome back, Hogline Nation. You are listening to the 259th episode of the podcast. Welcome in. Week 10 in the books. Week 11 is approaching. And we're quickly approaching Thanksgiving week. Perhaps maybe my favorite week of the regular season. But we're not there yet. We have week 11. We have week 10 to talk about. Eagles had a bye. There will not be e- no Eagles talk on this podcast today. But uh, yeah, the Steelers, another close one. How are you guys feeling um, about the week so far? Football week? I, I don't know. Football, Everybody. life, anything. I actually had that thought, the thought this week that like, I need football. Like these past two days without it just aren't great. Aren't great, and I'm really like, looking forward to this Thursday night football because it's a really good game. Yeah, Thursday and Monday night have probably the best primetime matchups that we've had so oh, far. True. I think yeah. that's fair to say. What's it's Sunday? We've got Broncos Vikings. Of, of fun yeah. ones. We've been starved of fun ones. I I also agree with Jack. I think early on in the season because like football's fresh, like you can get through like the week, but once you start ramping up and these games start getting better and better after like two days, you're like, I need, I need something. So I'm, I'm, I'm in lockstep right. with, that, with that take. Well, my week was very thrown off because I went on vacation, mini vacation. I was off on Monday and I came back on Monday. So that really felt like a Sunday to me. And, and yesterday, Tuesday felt like a Monday. So I'm expecting there to be a game on and there wasn't. So it was, a. Uh, it was disappointing in that regard, but that just means we're one day closer to uh, the Bengals-Ravens Thursday night game. It's going to be very, very good. Bengals really need a win to stay in the thick of the playoff chase, and the Ravens you know, need to avoid dropping two in a row. But anyway, before we get into that and all the Week 11 action, let's uh, rewind a little bit to Sunday, talk about the Steelers. Our Steelers beat the Green Bay Packers at home 23-19. to And uh, we cover the three points by one. Very close game, as it always is. It brings the Steelers' record to, in one-possession games this season to 6-0. and So, 
I said last week, I, I don't know if you guys recall, I called the Steelers the the diet version of the 2022 of the 2022 Minnesota Vikings. And that just was, you know, validated even further through this week. And I don't know. Are, are, does, is that a good comparison? A good a team with a good record that's probably not as good as the record shows? Um, Clearly different know. style teams, but yeah, in that it, regard. They're too... In, in the, the, well, based off that characteristic, yes, the one score thing, but they're just, they're way too different for me to feel like they're comparable. Because, like, the, that Vikings team was just ridiculously bad defensively. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I get it. Steelers, like I said, narrowly edge out the Green Bay Packers. And my first bullet point that I have written down is the same exact thing. I actually didn't even erase it in my notes here, but why can't it be easy once, please? And uh, that just remains true. I feel like at the end of the game, it came down the same exact way that the Titans game did, uh, our previous game. We're up by four. The opposing team needs a touchdown, and they take it down the field, and they get to our side of the field, but don't quite punch it in the end zone. And... uh both games sealed by an interception. So, you know, very similar type games. The running game was so good. Had 205 total yards on the ground as, as a team. Jalen Warren has his first career 100-yard rushing game. He has on 15 carries, 101 yards, and a touchdown. Najee plays really well. Um, also with 16 carries, 82 yards, and a touchdown. And uh, I found this stat on Twitter. It's courtesy of this guy Me? named... Jack uh, Ma- Manas, nice. Jack underscore Manas on Twitter. Um, I don't know cool. who that is, but you should probably follow him on Twitter. Uh, he tweets out a lot of good stats. But anyway, this reporter uh, tweeted out that the Steelers team rushing yards per game when Broderick Jones starts is 152.6. And when he doesn't, it's 78.5. So I feel like he may be the common denominator in that. And hopefully he can just see his snaps just increase more and just as the solidified starter at all times. I feel like you probably will be also, I mean, after scoring two games, sorry, two touchdowns in the first two drives, which we started with an opening drive touchdown against the Titans, uh, in week nine this week, we start with two drives, two drives that result in touchdowns to open up the game. And then from there, the offense is kind of stalled again, only nine points in the remaining two and a half quarters. And obviously, you would like to see more consistency in that regard. In many ways, I feel like it's kind of inexplicable how we're doing this. But I feel like the thing, the main reason that most people can, I feel like, point to, and I've heard, and I agree, is the turnover margin. Uh, We're plus 10 on the turnover differential, which is tied for first in the league with Cincinnati. And I think that's just uh, very indicative of why we're able to pull out these one-score games. And, um, I guess last thing I'll say, I'll turn it over to Jack after this is that, I mean, we've said it multiple times, I feel like on not just this season, but I feel like multiple seasons that just not understanding the perspective of wanting Tomlin fired, because just think about if we had a different coach, I feel like he always keeps us in games. I feel like it'd be very easy to kind of just not give up, but like lose focus and when you're down and the offense is sputtering and whatnot, but he keeps them focused and uh, gets them ready to play not only pregame, but during the game. And 
no, I'm just very grateful to have him. I've tried not to take it for granted and also try to tune out that perspective of criticizing him because I think it's very unwarranted. But anyway, Jack, what was your perspective and uh, about this game? Uh, I'll give my thoughts on the game, but I'll I'll start with Tomlin talk, and I don't think I said this take um, publicly, but as a generalization, I think Tomlin is uh, overhated by Pittsburgh fans, and I think he's overrated by the outside media, the national media at large. Hmm. Um, like people who just, and that's again, this is a this is a generalization because I know there is a sector of like non-Steelers fans that are like, oh, this guy just only goes nine eight every year, doesn't do anything, and then there's also Steelers fans that go, um, yeah, that hate that think he's uh too good, but he um because he's not a top. I wouldn't call him a top five coach. And I think I've heard like Rich Eisen say it. And like a lot of, and some others say like, if the Steelers fired Mike Tomlin, 30 other teams would be calling to pick, pick up the phone to get him hired immediately, which uh, I, I don't think he's, I'd, I wouldn't regard him as a top five, like maybe like fringe top 10. I think he's a great coach. Um, and I, I do get the complaints that like, Maybe he's underperformed in the past. He had a, a loaded Ben, Le'Veon, Antonio Brown, like that era, and we didn't win. Um, and there's also some some complaints that we play up and down to our competition. We're very predictable, and as a home dog, we tend to win. <laughs> like in home dogs, like we're favorited. If you just go, if if that makes sense, just like based off historical record. <laughs> um, so there is some uh, shortcomings there, but the guy just figures out a way to win football games, and I'm not gonna take that for granted. Um, and like I, I think a lot of Pittsburgh fans, they're a little, as he referenced a couple weeks ago, though, maybe they could be a little spoiled, and they don't know what they, they don't realize how good they have it, um, because our expectation is Super Bowls, but that's not a realistic expectation every year for, <laughs> for every franchise. I don't think uh, maybe Pittsburgh hardcore Yinzers don't understand that. Uh, yeah, but 30, about 31 teams lose their final Exactly, game. yeah. So. Um, and then specifically about this season, uh, there's like some murmurs, you could say, and he like gets brought up in Code of the Year talk just because of how bad the offense is and the defense is giving up a ton of yards. I wouldn't say it's great, but so in like everyone's trying to search for an explanation of how we're winning these games. And they just say, Tomlin's that good of a coach, which yeah, that's true. Give him credit for winning these games, but also give him blame for allowing this offense to remain the way it has been. Um, He's not an offensive guy, but he still takes responsibility, should take responsibility, and he does take responsibility for that because he's ultimately in charge of who is on staff. Um, and that's for defense, too. Like, we're very opportunistic. We get turnovers at timely uh, points in the game, and we do some things like we're an elite pass rush, and 
we're good, but I wouldn't call us an elite defense. Like we, our secondary needs work. We have a lot of injuries now at the inside linebacker position. Quan Alexander goes down in this game out for the year. Already down Cole Holcomb, who wore wore the green dot. So we're down two starting inside linebackers. Um, we have one left. So there's a hole there. Minka's coming back next week. This week, I think. Pat Fryman comes back next week. That's looking likely. Um, so that's some reason for hope. I didn't even talk about this game, uh, but and I'm kind of just rambling. But Minka, he was out for this game, and I don't know if you saw Mitchell and Trev. You may not know, but maybe you didn't watch this game closely. But uh, on the last play, Jordan Love's interception ultimately. Um, when they were at like the 15, 20 yard line around there, uh, we lined up and we called timeout and it was Minka who was screaming for our, for Tomlin to call a timeout, Minka on the sideline. And he audibled out of what Terrell Austin, our D coordinator had us, um, lined up in, changed it results in a pick. So I think that was, I just wanted to bring that story to light. I thought that was impressive and we need him on the field desperately this week. Especially with the with their injuries in the middle of the field, so um, that's a positive to look into for this week. Uh, what else could I say? I guess I'll have to defend Kenny because they do every week. Um, he's taking a a lot of slander right now because he uh, didn't have a touchdown, threw for 130 yards, if that, on Sunday. Which, yeah, that's that's not ideal. You don't you want your quarterback to light up the stat sheet, um, but with the run game producing so efficiently yesterday Sunday, um, he wouldn't he didn't need to do much. And I think the Steelers are finally trying to start that, or have finally found that that true identity and in a running football team that they've been trying to force feed us this whole season. Um, per my tweet, Broderick Jones starts and we run the ball. So that can contribute to it. Um, Matt Canada is now on the sideline that can contribute to it. Um, so he can lean on that. Hopefully in the coming weeks that can open things up for the passing game. If we have, if, if we continue to be such a force on the ground, so that's only going to help him. Um, but I mean, there are some things he needs to do better. Like I haven't dug into the all twenty two yet. I will probably tomorrow. He uh, he's got a. He, there's some some guys he missed. And not not inaccurate. This past game, it wasn't more so. Wasn't the inaccuracies and when he did throw it, as opposed to was wasn't the Titans game where he's just missing guys. But he was missing guys in a sense, just not seeing. Like he could have had a Deontay Johnson touchdown at one point. I, I saw he checked on to Warren. Um, so, and there's probably some others in, in the game, but ultimately if you don't turn the, he doesn't turn the ball over and we run as good as we do, like it's, that's a recipe for winning. So, um, I'm fine with it. And again, I, I want to let him develop. Like, I don't want to be, I don't want to rush into it. I, that's kind of, I think it's, um, I don't know if you could say it's the way the game is going or just like how society is in general now like we want to rush into things and we're too eager we we need immediate uh satisfaction or gratification and he's uh great quarterbacks take some time to develop and that's fine and i'm not saying he's going to be elite i don't even think he'll be elite 
uh, but I think he could still be our franchise guy. So uh, I think that's all I got. I'm starting to tweet a Steelers stat each day. So follow me on Twitter. I'm at three days now. I got to think of one for today. Yes, follow Jack underscore Menace on Twitter. Before Shref uh, gives any comments or questions he has, I just wanted to point out, which I think this is a hilarious scenario, there's a chance the Steelers could be the one seed in the AFC after this week. <laughs> if we beat the... We, four things need to happen. I'm just looking at it now. If we said to, two, uh, do, do two losses, you're right. If we Sorry. beat the Browns, the Bengals beat the Ravens. Raiders beat the The, Dolphins. the uh, Eagles beat the Chiefs. And then I think the only other one would be the Titans beating the Jags. Oh, yeah. I think that's yeah, it. We probably, we probably have the tiebreaker of the, tight, or the, the Dolphins because we'll be the same record and maybe we have a better conference record. Yeah, so if those four yeah, things happen, I think true. the Pittsburgh Steelers are the number one seed in the AFC. What a world. Wild. Yeah. So, hey, Chef, both our teams could be the one seed after uh, yeah. this week. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, not, it's honestly, it's not even that crazy. No, <laughs> like, it's not. Those it's things very, that need to happen very feasible. are, are very, yeah, very, very feasible. realistic, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, 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 mo- the biggest disparity is the Titans Jags, where the Jags, I think, are seven or six and a half point favorites. But hey, the, the Titans have beaten the Jags a lot over the past mm-hmm. four or five years. So yeah. interesting. Uh, Shref, any, any uh, questions or comments that you would have? Um, not, no, no questions. I, I feel like, I mean, you, you kind of said at the beginning, like, I don't think, I don't think there was any new developments about this team this week that that wasn't already kind of known i do agree that the running game looked good um i've been a big jalen warren supporter it feels like they've been able to kind of find the correct mix between those guys and it feels like it's helped Najee a lot as well just in terms of uh it feels like he's starting to break off more big runs looking like what we expected um the tomlin talk is interesting jack and i think i'm i think i'm in the same boat as you where i do think to an extent he gets he gets a little too much guff for like maybe not getting over that hump recently. But I mean, like you talk about the Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, Bell years, they didn't get anything out of that. Um, and then recently, I feel like the last couple of years, I don't think they've had a necessarily a good enough team for him to like garner all these expectations of like winning more than, than what they've won. Um, so I do think there's some of that. And then I also think for him, it's like, to an extent, I think his personality is always going to give him like a little more leeway than most coaches. He carries himself very well. He's clearly built a, a fantastic culture in that locker room over the years. And I think like if he was putting forth the same results these past couple of years and he was like cocky and arrogant about it, I, I feel like the conversation would be different, right? Yeah. Oh, definitely. And like that's, and it's credit to I, him because he's because he's clearly a, like a, a, it's all the credit to him. Like that, it takes a yeah. certain kind of person to be able to instill that and like win. Like we said, like they, he still finds a way to win games no matter what. So I think those like I think the personality is something that that's going to keep him around for as long as he wants to be kept around. Probably. 
you know, I I thought about that recently, a comparison between him and Belichick and how um and Grant, we're not too far removed. Yeah, Belichick is more removed from the Brady era than Tomlin is from the Ben era. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess I don't know. He Belichick did make the playoffs post Brady, but I could see Tomlin having more success um in this post legendary Hall of Fame quarterback era. Uh because the reason for the Patriots, like their roster isn't as good. And like you can how am I trying to say this? When things aren't going as well, it's tough to get a buy in. Like at least, I don't think my point is I don't think Belichick is a likable guy. <laughs> and he I don't I don't I don't believe that his players truly have fun being around him and like the Patriot way is just like I feel like kind of being like the military. Like it doesn't seem fun, but the Patriot way is is winning. So like you can go through all of those tough times when you're winning and have the success. And you also have another leader like Tom Brady, who's like, you'll follow him and he's probably a lot more likable. Um, but when you have a bad team and things aren't just going well, the Patriot, like, that whole culture isn't going to work. But, um, and granted, I guess when you're not winning, culture isn't fun anywhere. But Tom was just a more likable guy that he's, I would say, more respected because Belichick's respected. But, I do know that Tomlin values relationships more than other head coaches. Like I've listened to a lot of beat reporters talk about Tomlin and that uh, through the recruiting process, especially, and he's talked about it himself, actually like he, he, um, he'll meet with guys in the pre-draft process that he, like the Steelers are of no business. Like they can't get him. Like he met with Will Anderson this year. Um, well, we had no shot at getting Will Anderson. Um, he he met with Christian Gonzalez, which at the time when those pre-draft visits were happening, it's like we're not in that range to get him. But he ended up falling on draft night near our, near us. And I know in the pre-draft process years ago, he met with uh, Minka, even though he was not in our range. Like we were late twenties, we drafted tenth, and because he developed that relationship with him. We traded for him, obviously, but Minka probably led to him liking it here more and signed us long-term. And he just builds that connection with a lot of players throughout the league. So I, I think that helps him a lot. And like Pat Pete, well, he, he had no business signing with the Steelers his offseason, but I know he's cousins with Brian McFadden, so that definitely played a big factor. But Tomlin also did, I'm sure, as well. So... um. Right. Yeah, exactly. Because, you, you know, even if you, at the time you there's really no, you know, realistic way that you can acquire them in the draft, you never know what scenario could happen. Like with Minka, it was a dumpster fire a year and a half into his NFL career. That made me make a difference. And I think another example is, too, that you didn't bring up a Chase Young. Remember that one clip? I don't know if he met with Chase yeah. Young in no, the pre-draft process. As well. but, yes. but he... uh you know, I know we didn't get Chase Young, but you never know when players can become available. So it's definitely a smart thing to do and something that sets them apart, I feel like. So, so bottom line, on uh, we've been talking so long about Tomlin, but I think after this season, definitely keep him. And like, I mean, as barring a complete change in how I feel about him and like what he does, the Steelers do, like 
keep these keep him as like a head coach for life and just circle in or cycle in a better coordinator on both sides of the ball. Um, because I do think Terrell Austin, I haven't been too impressed with what he's done with our defense. If I'm being honest, I wouldn't be mad if we replaced both DCs this off season, but I. I love the stability that Tomlin provides and again his floor like his floor is is nine wins and you really can't ask for much more than that and just like hopefully we get the right coordinators and coaching staff in place that and talent too that elevates us to a uh, durable contending team in the years to come but yeah that's Steelers talk I guess all right, we will move on to our uh, next segment here. I named it myself. I didn't tell you guys, but we're calling it In the Hunt. Uh, we have th- three intriguing teams that have had a pretty wild season for different reasons, and we're going to kind of briefly discuss them and give a percent chance that we would give them of making the postseason. The first team we're going to talk about here is the Minnesota Vikings. They're 6-4. and four. Everyone, probably including myself, thought their season was over when Kirk Cousins was announced out for the season uh, with a torn Achilles. And then they trade for Josh Dobbs, who had some mild success in Arizona. But again, I don't think still, I don't think anyone thought that it'd be this good through the first two or three games that they've had him as their starter. But he's found a way. They have beaten the um, Saints this past week. And then the week before, they played the Falcons, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yes. Uh, eking out these wins. They said it's six and four, like I just said. Um, how do you guys want to do this? Do you want to discuss a little bit about the Vikings or give a percent chance that we would give them making the playoffs first? Um, percent. Yeah, start percent in the next explanation, I'd say. All right, Shref, what percent chance do you give the Vikings of making the playoffs? I can't believe I'm saying it, but 70%. Okay, Jack. 65. Oh my goodness, guys. I'm right in between you. 67. I gave him wow. two-thirds of a chance. Look at that. Yeah, what, what I have written down is, you know, I mean, I just, I just kind of prefaced it a second ago, but they've found the, the ultimate fill-in quarterback to stabilize this offense. Absolutely. I mean, it's just so crazy to think about. And we didn't mention yet, but the news today that Deshaun Watson's out for the season and the Browns had Josh Dobbs uh, before, like traded him just before the season started. Imagine if they still had Josh Dobbs. That would, that's two franchises where their seasons would be completely changed. I feel like if if that trade never went down. But uh, yeah, so there's that. Josh Dobbs is just playing out of his mind right now, and he's just a, is a great guy and a very easy person to root for. So I wish them all the success in the world uh, until they play us in the Super Bowl. Imagine that, a Steelers-Vikings Super Bowl. Uh, Justin Jefferson, he's only a week or two away. I think there's an outside chance he'll play this week, but I feel like more uh, conservatively, you can project him to come back in week 12. Not only that, I mean, I feel like the wild card competition is pretty weak in the NFC. So, you know, there's that. And I'm not even just there's still a chance they could win the division. They still have to play the Lions twice. They play them week 16 and 18. So it's not even outside the realm of possibility that they win the North. So I really like their chances. I feel like we all do. And uh, yeah, they 
So it's more likely they make the playoffs than they don't at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I can't believe I'm saying it with them because I, I was off on them going into the season. I was still off on them with the Kirk Cousins injury, obviously. And I, I keep doubting Josh Dobbs. I got to stop doing that because I love Josh Dobbs, but, but I keep doubting him. And he, he continues to say, screw you. And I love it. Um, yeah, for me, a, a big portion of this was just because of the NFC. Like that, that seven seed is just like begging to be taken by someone. Um, the NFC South is like all all teams are actively trying to lose the division. It feels like, um, obviously the Cowboys are going to be in there. The Seahawks are probably going to be in there, um, and then the Lions are still sitting there. But like all these other teams are floundering, so it, it, it's there for the taking. Dobbs seems to, I mean, have that offense right back on track to where it needs to be. Um, and more importantly for me, the defense is starting to. It feels like it's starting to show up a little bit more. Um, they were not good early on in the year, which is something we all expected. But it feels like Brian Flores has them starting to figure it out. So, I mean, yeah, they have a, a legitimately good roster. And there aren't really many NFC teams that are making a true push to make the playoffs here. So, could almost go higher, I think. I almost feel like I was too low. <laughs> Jack, yeah, anything, yeah. anything to add? I agree. I wanted, yeah, the, the defense is... Um... The defense is is playing well. They're they're near the top ten and they're thirteenth in yards allowed per game, um, which that's not something I would have guessed at all coming into the yeah. season. I thought they'd be like twenty ninth. So, mm-hmm. and I mean, if you just look at their point total, they're allowing each game. Like it's it's up and down, but it's it's containable. Like it's. 19 of the Saints last week, 28 of the Falcons the week prior, but then it's 10, 17 against the Niners, 13, she's 27. Like, the defense is solid. Um, touched on Dobbs. Jefferson coming back, that's a great set of weapons with him. Addison, who's emerged, and uh, Hawkinson, too, is a reliable tight end. Uh, I guess you well, get... Reliable, he's been unreal. Yeah. Right, been, reliable is selling him short. That is that is true. Um, yeah, what he had like 130 yards last week on 11 catches, I think. Yeah, a touchdown. So, um, the rush game, the run game, I guess you can question because uh, Madison has really been underwhelming this year, and he has uh, like, he might not even play next week either. So, and um, who did they sign? Who's K makers? They signed or signed or traded for? They traded for, but yeah, he's he's, out he's for done the for the year. Oh. Um, and I guess behind them too is what Ty Chandler. There's Ty that's Chandler a little questionable. A rookie could be interesting. Who? Ty Chandler's a rookie, so it could, it could be could be something there. Or is he, he's, he's not a rookie. rookie. No, he came from thinking, the Jets, right? I was thinking of Dwayne McBride, who they cut. Sorry, I had uh, the wrong okay. guy in my head. But yes, it'll, it'll be. Uh, yeah, but all in all, I um. I like Kevin O'Connell a lot, and I was higher in them preseason than most. So I, um, I like their shot at making the playoffs because, like, as Shreff said, they're competing with like they have a two-game lead, I think, in the wild card right now in the last the seven seed because it's like the so. Bucks who are four and five, and the Commanders are four and six. I think is who's right there with them. So yeah, 
it's crazy that Kirk Cousins goes down the most likable quarterback and they replace him with like the second most likable quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Ty Chandler, second year player, by the way. Okay. Next team we're going to talk about is the Houston Texans sitting at five and four. Just got a massive win over the Bengals in Cincinnati last week. Jack, what percent chance do you give the Texans making the playoffs? Um, I've been going back and forth on this all day. I'll say um, 45. Okay, Shref? I want 55. I also have 55. Mm, I was too low. Uh-huh. Well, maybe You're not, so, but you so you can exp- you can explain yourself first. Why do you have uh, forty five? Sounds like you were conflicted like, anyway. I thought it was like a little high. I thought I'd be high because they. Uh, and I don't blame you guys for going fifty five now because they see the wild card is going to be tough. They're currently a seven seed, and they got got they got teams like the Bills, who everyone's writing off, understandably so, a little bit. Like they got some issues. The Bengals are right below them. The Chargers are going to lurk in there. They could. Um, so it's, it's a very, very competitive uh, race for the seven seed. And they're a young team playing really well, but they are a young team. So that's something you can knock them down for that they may not be as reliable to get into the postseason. They keep this up for a while. Um but there is that outside chance they could still win their own division. Like they're only a, they they're one game back. They're six and f- they're five and four, or yes. six and four. They're five, five and four. four. Uh, one game behind the Jags leading their division. Then they beat the Jags already, so they have a head to head on them currently. I know they'll play again in a couple weeks. Um, yeah, it's crazy that they're basically. A, I mean. By our metrics, they're a coin flip of making the playoffs halfway through, a little halfway through the season. That's such a a testament to, uh, or it speaks so well to how how CJ Stroud is playing and D'Amico Ryan's has really built up that team and that culture in a, less than a year. Um, so yeah, you guys can speak on them. I know I was the low guy, but I just only talked them up so much. I guess yeah, the reason why is that. I mean, CJ Stroud's not playing like his rookie, but he's a rookie, and they have a lot of young and not that talented of a team. So, like, on paper, they shouldn't be a 55% chance to make the playoffs. But they also shouldn't be 6-4, and four, or 5-4 and four where they are. So, um, you guys go. Jeff, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, for me, there's, there, there's a few factors. One, I, I was... I love the D'Amico Ryan. I'm I'm normally not a proponent for defensive coordinator head coaching hires just because of the way that I think the league is going, where I I think it's a huge asset to have your offensive play caller also be your head coach. Um, but when it comes to a guy like this who clearly like built his own mini culture as the DC in San Fran, now getting the chance to do it um to a to the full extent with an entire team, it's clearly already working, something that I isn't surprising to me, but um to this extent it, it is surprising. Um CJ Stroud is playing like a top five quarterback in football this year, like pretty easily, I would say. Um, which is not words I thought I would be saying. Um and that's another credit to uh Bobby Slowick who 
how old is he? Like thirty, like thirty-three or something like that, maybe. Like at <laughs> That's most. crazy. Like it, it's it's clear that he he's going to be a name that I think we're going to be hearing. Maybe maybe not right away for a head coaching hire, just because it, it is one year. But I mean, this is about as impressive as it can get with considering the talent that we thought they had coming into the season. Um, it, it's all been working, and. Yeah, I don't know. It just when when you have a quarterback, I don't care what year he is, when he's playing this confidently, they're going to be a tough train to stop. And I think the other part of it too is that like I I kind of got to see it with Hurts last year versus this year. I mean, you give teams a whole off season of tape to look at. You know, they're going to be able to make adjustments, kind of make you you know have to show some new things as a player. Stroud coming in as a rookie, it's almost benefiting him because these teams. I mean, they obviously have the college tape. And they have what we've seen so far this season, but the the amount of film they have on this guy is very limited. And when he's making throws like this all across the field, like it's a huge advantage. So yeah, I don't know. Like I mean, fifty five percent isn't like a high percentage, obviously. Like that's still basically just a coin flip of if they're getting in or not. But with as good as he's playing in a league in in a season where I feel like quarterback play has been very up and down, having a guy that's been this consistent and a coach that seems to be knows how to push the right buttons. Like I I have a lot of faith in them and way more than I expected to. Yeah, I ditto that. Uh Stroud's it's literally like an MVP level. I mean it if is. he continue if he continues this trajectory, I if don't they make see the why playoffs, if they make the playoffs, like I I think it has to be like heavily considered. They also have the fourth easiest remaining schedule in the league. They have the Cardinals at home. Jaguars at home, Broncos at home, Jets on the road, Titans on the road, Browns at home, Titans at home, and then Colts on the road, which that fourth easiest schedule is not even considering the Deshaun Watson injury too. So that's a game that could be, it's still going to be a tough game, but easier than it probably would have been otherwise. Um, Jack mentioned the outside chance that, at uh, winning the division, I believe that I checked the odds earlier today. I think they sit at plus two twenty to win the AFC South. So definitely still within the realm of possibility. They already have, as Jack said, the the head to head over the Jaguars. They play them in Week Twelve. So um, after the Cardinals, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, would it really surprise you guys if they beat any team in the league with the way they're playing right now? Like if they went out and beat the Chiefs, would that? I mean, it would. They obviously would be underdogs, but would it surprise you that much? It would depend on score, obviously, but I don't. It would don't surprise me. I I think what I will say is at at this point, I wouldn't be surprised if C.J. Stroud outplayed any quarterback. True. It yeah. would still surprise me if they beat the Chiefs, but I get your point. But also, we shouldn't. I, maybe we shouldn't forget that this team get handed the Panthers their only loss just two weeks huh. ago. So only win, they, only win. Sorry, yeah. So maybe they have a high floor, high ceiling. Like, eh, I don't know. I don't know. Going into Cincinnati is a uh, very impressive. Oh, while we're on them too, I will also say I feel like Mitchell, you and I, like I, I know process over results is still has to be looked at, but. I know I, I, I was very critical of their decision to trade up and get Will Anderson after getting Stroud. Um, I, I think I'll apologize. He, he's, been, he's been really good, 
and they do still have that Browns first round pick loom in there. So the credit where credit's due. They they had a plan, they executed it, and it is paying more dividends than I would have expected. Our final team here is the Denver Broncos. After starting one and five, the Broncos have reeled off three straight wins against the Packers, the Chiefs, and then the Bills in Buffalo. So they improved to four and five. Shref, what percent chance do you give the Broncos to make the playoffs? So, so here's my only issue, Mitchell. I, I feel like Jack might have the same issue. Yeah. Um, I, have, I have the percentages for the Bills. Yeah, why are we talking about the Broncos? Oh, my bad. I thought I thought we were doing the Broncos. <laughs> no, well, here, you know what? No, let, let, let's have how about Jack and I give our Bills, and then you give your Broncos, and then we'll talk Bills and Broncos because I think okay, <laughs> so perfect. <laughs> okay, sorry about that, but uh, anyway, <laughs> I'll just sit back and listen to you guys talk about the Bills for about a couple minutes. So go <laughs> ahead. What percent chance do you guys give the Bills of making the playoffs? Well, you throw a percentage out too. Why not? Yeah. All right, sure. I'll um I'll go first actually. I give the Bills a 48% chance of making the playoffs. I went lower. I went 40. I 40 as well. Wow. Okay. We're all relatively close. Yeah, I mean, Definitely. obviously I don't have notes, but I mean, their schedule is brutal. It's not the- it's it's like very <laughs> And it, it there there's more things on top of that too. Like I this was the team that I had the most to think about before, like because I, I felt so weird putting a forty percent next to the Bills for the playoffs because like going into the season that just wasn't a thought. But there there's so many different things happening here. There's clearly like there's a lack of I guess like consistency just from like at like top to bottom. Like they fired Ken Dorsey at like I I, I know they've been going through a, a rough spell, but <clears throat> firing your OC at this point in the year is is never a, a great look in terms of how things are going for him. Um, I think the defense has lost huge players, and I, I know Matt Milano, Tre'Davious White, like that. That's two of your mainstays. Not having them sucks, but they all, the, their defense just hasn't really shown up the way it's needed to. And then on offense, um, I love Josh Allen. I still think Josh Allen is a is a great quarterback. He he's not playing like it right now whatsoever. Um, the He's like he's always been the ultimate like you got to be able to take the bad with the good type of quarterback where he's going to make those plays where you're like this guy might be the best in the league, but he's still going to make those plays where you're like I just wish he was like more normal once in a while. But recently, it's been way more of those plays than the good ones, and that's that's the thing you can't have. Um, there's turmoil, whether or not. I mean, I know his brother was talking for him, but uh, Stefan Diggs' brother uh, was very active. Uh, throughout that game and after the game. Um, whether or not that's Stefan Diggs's real feelings is maybe up for debate, but I feel like there's always kind of been a trail of, a, a trail of breadcrumbs where it's like he doesn't seem thrilled. Um, so it's just like not even on the field, but off the field, it seems like there's issues. And as much as I want to believe that it's it's the like we've come to like know the Bills as a team that's just going to like be there at the end of the season – and they aren't playing like it, and I think I think we need to readjust our expectations. So that's that's what I did. Forty so percent. Um. Yeah, I'll I'll speak on their their OC being fired, Ken Dorsey, and I, I texted this to you guys, but I'll, I'll just say it out loud. Uh, I didn't quite get it in our OC rankings a couple weeks ago. 
he wasn't <laughs> nearly at the bottom. I think we had him. No, he wasn't <laughs> ten, top ten, maybe. He was top ten for sure. Yeah, he was like I, uh, he was like yeah, ten through ten to twelve that range. And the Bills' offense are eighth in points per game, seventh in y- passing yards per game, and thirteenth in rushing yards per game. And that's with Josh like, Allen doing all these bad things, right? And their their issue is turnovers. They're tied for third in giveaways per game, which is. Not Ken Dorsey's fault. That's on Allen making poor decisions, throwing the ball. It's on the the rest of the team with the tip passes and the and the fumbles and the drop balls. It's, I mean, the offense wasn't going great. Maybe Ken Dorsey could have done a better job, but not fireable offense for what he's done. Like these offensive numbers, they're they're a top ten offense statistically, and they fire their OC. Like, why the Steelers are biometrics the worst offense for like a lot of weeks and still not fired it's just and that's maybe like kind of what we're talking about before and of course bring back to Steelers but like that stability and just not rushing things and seeing things through um it's probably part of the reason why we're six and three right now and um yeah that's why I got I have not that much faith in the bills because of it just not stable. It's I just felt like a a rash decision just to fight like a just to maybe have a scapegoat because they're not gonna bench Josh Allen. I'm not saying they should bench Josh Allen, but it's uh just kinda like, oh we need a change quickly as far as see is kind of the mentality, the uh what I'm what I'm getting getting here and it's that's doesn't seem like it's a recipe for success. And then not to mention but I'm going to mention it now. Uh, their their schedule is so tough because what they have the Chiefs, they have the Eagles, right? Chiefs, Eagles? Eagles, Cowboys, I think, in in the next three weeks. Yeah, yeah, that's tough. And then do they have the Dolphins again? Maybe. Here, I'll read. I'll read it to you guys. They have they have the Jets this week, who they already lost to. True. They have the Eagles on the road, Chiefs on the road, Cowboys, Chargers, Patriots, mm-hmm. who they already lost to, and then the Dolphins on the road. Yeah, that's tough. Because like the Chargers game, that's gonna be I, that's gonna be competitive, even though the Chargers ha- aren't aren't great right now. Like the only win, and I'll even count this week as a win. The week game they should win, even though they already lost the Jets and they have one game off them. I think must like pencil in wins against the Jets and the Pats. Who they already lost to, by the way, both of them. Yes. But let's say they split with them. That's reasonable to expect. And that's seven and five. That's seven wins, I mean. They're five and five? Yes. And then those tough games, like let's say they pull off against the the Chargers and the Dolphins, maybe. That's nine wins. And that's not good enough. And that is what I just said isn't like a guarantee. So, like, nine wins is not going to make the playoffs in the AFC, I don't think. Even they also... Maybe, the they also, team might be left out, too. They also are... Uh, let me just check real quick. They are... How many out-of-conference wins they have? They have one, two, three wins in the, AF, in the NFC. That means their conference record's not as good. So, that's not ideal either. So... Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, tough times in Buffalo. It feels weird to it, like to say it, but are, are they like, like 
it feels impossible, but they like are they just like a bad football team? Like this like this year. Like are they just a bad team? I heard this really good comp uh from Dan Hansis on the Round the NFL podcast. Are they kind of just like the Yankees? Like when in twenty seventeen like the Yankees had a decade of like not being great. Mm. And then what? I don't know about that. I don't think you can, I don't think you can compare the Bills decade of misery to the Yankees decade of Okay, not not that part. Just like they had a down the Yankees had a down period. And then in the late twenty tens, like twenty seventeen, Judge comes up, wins rookie of the year. It's like they call him what? The baby bombers or like uh, they're just mashing home runs and they lost the Astros that year that they cheated and um everyone's like big on the Yankees every year, but they just can't seem to put together in the postseason. Kind of like the rise of Josh Allen. Um whatever, like 2018, 2019, and then they had this big game against the Chiefs, and it's just kind of like expectations for the Bills, and it's just like not quite putting it together. And this year the Bills are having is could be similar to what the Yankees did this year. Don't mind it. I guess so. I think it's good. All right, are you guys ready to talk about the Broncos? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Sorry about that. I don't know what I what I read when that happened. Uh, well, I have the Broncos' percent chance of making the playoffs at fifteen percent, and I feel like that's even high. Uh, I mean, yeah, I would say like ten, if that. Honestly, yeah. what's there? Are they four and six? Four, four and five. five. Okay, twelve. No, no, no. Sorry, I was going to go down seven. <laughs> I was, yeah, I like that. So seven or six percent. Plus, I just I I still don't like them. So yeah, that, that's essentially what I have written down. I just think it's too big of a hole to climb. I feel like that at a minimum they'd have to only lose two games the rest of the way. Nine and eight's not going to get it done. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, very impressive wins the past two weeks. I don't want to you know just skip over that because they were good wins. And Russell Wilson has been playing pretty good. But, uh, yeah, I still don't see it with this team. There's still a lot of holes. And I think my pride slash disdain slash preseason bias for this team may be still creeping in, but I still feel like it's valid in some regard. So I don't think we have to spend too much more time on them. Uh, 15% uh, being very generous. Yeah, I'm going to... Um... I'm looking at their schedule right now. It's, I mean, I got some games coming up. Vikings, Browns, Texans next three weeks, which doesn't sound crazy. But it kind of is a tough little stretch here. Yeah. Two games against the Chargers, which could go either way. Still got the Lions. Yep, Lions in there. That'll be in the thick of what might be. Like, the Lions are still going to be pushing to win as many games as they can there. So you're getting the Lions at at full force. Yeah, I mean, the talent as a whole just isn't quite there for what I think we're going to see out of the playoff teams. I just don't think it's going to hold up. Right. And even like, I mean, this Bills game, like the Broncos won the game. The Bills, the Bills literally put 12 men on the field on a 
on a game-winning field goal kick <laughs> that that he missed. So it's right. Like, I mean, they won the game, but it, let's not act like this was like a season-defining win, like turning point. This was he got as lucky as lucky could get. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so I have the actual percentages according to ESPN. Oh, oh yeah. Um, I'll start with the Vikings, who we started with. ESPN percent chance to make the playoffs, eighty-six percent. Wow. Mm. So what we we had? Oh yeah, we were like sixty-five to seventy. Well over, yeah. Um, and then who was our next team? The Texans. Forty-five for me, fifty-five for you guys. They have at fifty-eight percent. Okay. And then the Bills, what, 40% to 48%? They had them at 33%. Whoa. Okay. What about Broncos the Broncos? are not listed. Okay. Wow. All right. So we were a little off, but we were all within the same range of each other, just not the actual percentages, according to uh, ESPN. Have you guys seen those graphics that... Uh, like each week, it's like if this team wins this week, they like the teams have a lot at stake, and it's like if they win, they have a this percent chance. If they lose, they have this percent chance to make the playoffs. Yes. This Steelers Browns game. Um, it says if the Steelers beat the Browns this week, our playoff chances are seventy four percent. Okay. I feel like that's low. I feel like if the Steelers win this week at seven and three, sweeping the Browns. Potentially the one seed if things go right. I feel like it should be more than seventy four percent. Yeah, probably. But yeah, I don't. And then, but and then if we lose forty two percent, and then the Browns is even just as wide, I guess eighty percent chance that they make it if they win, and then forty six percent if they lose. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. I like I like these. I don't know. How do they calculate that? I don't know. I'd love to find out. All right, um, we can move on here to Sportsbook Donation of the Week to close out the show. Before we reveal how we did last week, Jack, before you got on this call, Shreff and I were discussing, what do you think, this doesn't have anything to do with this coming up week here, but in week 12, would you like to make a requirement that we have to, at least one of our games has to be pertained to the Thanksgiving slate? Sure. Okay, it's decided. Next week, we will have to include a Thanksgiving game in our picks. But anyway, back to how we did in week 10. I went 2-0-1. I pushed on the Lions covering three. They won by a field goal. I had the Browns plus six, which looked dead in the water for the most of that game until the end when the Browns came storming back and won outright. And I had the under in the Colts-Patriots game in Germany, under 43 and a half. That might have been the easiest pick uh, that we've ever done when there was only 16 points in that game. Jack goes 2-1. and one. He does not get the Bills minus 7.5. They lose outright to the, the Broncos, as we just said. The Steelers minus 3. They narrowly cover that uh, by, with a 4-point victory. And Jack also had the over in the Atlanta-Arizona game at 43.5. I think that went well over, if I'm not mistaken. Shreff has the 49ers minus 3, which they covered 31. So they really covered that one. The uh, The Titans plus 1.5. That didn't come close. They lost by they 14 to the Bucks. They can screw Yeah. It. They can piss off. 
Yeah, it's a little, a little rough. Also had the under in the uh, Texans-Bengals game of 47, and that game had 57 scored in that one. So I think it was a... Uh... I think it was 10-7 at half. Yikes. Shref is now 2-8 and eight when picking totals this year. That brings our record to, I'm in first place, still in the driver's seat at 17-12-1. Jackson second at 16-14, and, and Shref at 8-21-1. Looking good. With that being said, I'm not entirely sure which, I like a lot of games. Oddly enough, I have, a plan. Sometimes... I have a plan this week. I have a plan. Oh, okay. Famous last words. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I really think I'm going to. You know what? I'm going to take my total. Ooh. 101 is going to be a total because I like a lot of spreads. I only like one total. And here it is the Cincinnati Baltimore under 46. Is it 46? I didn't. The last time I checked, it was. Um, Anyone have it up? Yes. Still, yep. still correct. All right. So under 46 in the Thursday night game between the Bengals and Ravens. Got a, quite a few numbers here for you guys, so I'll rattle them off. Unders this season in 2023 are 88, 60, and 1, which is Whoa. a 59% uh, hit rate. And they're even, it's, I don't have the number in front of me for this, but it's an even higher hit rate since week five. Potential reasoning why I saw this in an article. I can't remember who wrote it, so I apologize for not citing my source. But sixteen teams have new offensive coordinators this year. I don't know if you guys realize that. So I feel like there's not a lot of continuity with the Bills. There you go. I feel like that's got to be a record. I feel like there's not a lot of continuity, and teams are still really trying to find their rhythm with the new play callers. So there's that. I feel like this is semi-well-known, but primetime unders. There's been 31 primetime games. Do you know how many of them went under this year? 31, you said? 31 primetime games, yes. I'll say 21. 24. 24 and 7 to the under, which is 77% this year. And here, get ready for this one. This one, you got to stay with me for this one. Ready? Outdoor. Divisional games played in November or December, where the total is between 44 and a half and 60. The under has a 60% hit rate since 2005. That means nothing to me. No, I, th- th- I, think, I think there's something to that one, guys. Listen. But it's between 44 and 60? Yes. 44, like, can you just say greater than 44? Are there, are there any totals that are above 60? Um, <laughs> greater than 44. Uh, <laughs> I mean, okay. That's just like an average point total, a little bit high. It's a little bit of a higher point total. And and this one qualifies. It's 46. Right. So if it's a higher point total, I feel like it's more likely to go under. There's more more numbers. Yeah, that's why this the stat just like all the other variables to that to that, like I don't know. It didn't really Well, I think that makes sense because divisional games they're intrinsically more important especially as the season goes on and the outdoor part weather comes into a factor i know it probably won't be inclement weather this week but yeah but like weather comes into a factor for only half the teams it's a thing trust me (laughs) this one's going under you gotta narrow it down more to saying only like afc north and nfc north okay 
I'll try to I'll try to dig in the archives. Dig dig more one. into that. All right. Bengals, Ravens under 46. Jack, you were up. Uh I'm gonna go with this surprised me when I just saw it now. Um Vikings plus two and a half. I I feel like they shouldn't be underdogs, even though they're on the road. Um I mean they're playing a team that we deemed seven percent chance to make the playoffs, and they are seventy percent chance according to us. So the 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 talent level of this team is a lot better than two points. Uh, being two point underdogs. So um and I guess they may be high off the Broncos just upsetting the Bills. Maybe they turn something around, but the Bills got issues. And I don't think it speaks too much of how good the Broncos are. They look better, but Josh Dobbs and his Vikings team, they're they're playing really, really well right now. And I, I think they'll they'll pick it up. Cause yeah, when we talked about the Vikings a lot, but they um like if you told me they were six and four right now. If you told me six and four before the season started, sitting at week 10, 11, I'd be like, that's very reasonable. I'd expect that. I mean, unknown to everything that happened to them this season, but I like where the Vikings are right now. Even though I'm putting confidence in Josh Jobs, who isn't really a proven starter, but I think he can, I think they'll, they'll continue this streak. Yeah, I concur. They were one of my backups. So I like that's that good. one. Treff. What's your plan? It, it's a very loose plan, but uh, I'm starting with Cowboys minus ten and a half. Um, this is there's I, I got no I got no stats I got no nothing for you on this one I don't I guess it's because the Panthers are home I'm, the spread feels kind of low for me honestly for this game. Um, I think Dallas is going to kind of be able to squeeze the life out of them on both sides of the ball. Um, there's been some already, like, I think uh, just today, Frank Reich took back play calling duties um, from Thomas Brown after, I think, like, three weeks of Thomas Brown having play calling duties. So th- there's clearly not much continuity going on uh, in that locker room. Bryce Young struggled. The team as a whole just doesn't have much talent. Uh, Dallas's offense has really, like, found their rhythm, it seems like. CeeDee Lamb has been unreal the last, like, four or five weeks here. Um, I think that's going to continue, and this Cowboys defense, we like against like I mean, we've seen against the Giants. I I know the Cardinals game is kind of a blip on the radar, but more often than not this year, if they're the more talented team and the defense is kind of doing their thing, like they're they're going to blow you out. So I think they're going to do that here. So I'll start with Cowboys minus ten and a half. I don't love it. Yeah, no. I, I like it. No, I like I it. They're one of mine. I don't have reasoning why, but I just I get a bad feeling from that one. It's because I picked it. No, 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 no. That's not it. I um, I guess maybe because they won by so much last week that I feel like people are going to yeah. say see the ten and a half and they're going to just like love it, and then somehow the Panthers will back to recover. I don't know. I can't really give a compelling reasoning. I just why. don't like why not. I I don't have a logical argument as to what the Panthers could do to keep up with this team. Like they don't have the receiving talent. The running game hasn't been there. Like the, I, I don't know. Okay. What's your next pick? All right. So this is where my plan comes into play. I was I was waiting for it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's not a real plan. It's just it, it's just something I'm gonna do. Um, 
I'm going right back to the well. I'm, I'm going Niners minus 11 and a half. I'm going two huge spreads this week. I'm going two big spreads. I know that the pick that I, I feel like people are going to be leaning bucks on this one. Um, I think the Niners have, I think the Niners, I think the Jags game is going to kind of kickstart what they need. The defense looked mm-hmm. like the defense of old as opposed to the three weeks prior. Um, the Bucks are going in the opposite direction of the direction I think they want to go in. Um, I don't trust Baker Mayfield against this defense whatsoever. And I think the offense is chugging along as steadily as they need to. I think McCaffrey's going to look good. There, my, my thought going into this was that these were two games that I could easily see the Cowboys and Niners winning by 14 points. So, big spreads. Nothing that I've done has worked so far, so let's try, let's try something new. You know what I thought you were going to do? What did you think I was going to do? I thought you were going to take Carolina plus 10 and a half to guarantee yourself a win. <laughs> have we ever... Why haven't we, done, why have we done that yet? That's not against I, the rules. I, was gonna ask, I, I never even thought about it because I just kind of assumed that that was something we weren't allowed to do. If you would allow me to do it, I, I would 100% do it. I would, do, I, would take the free, I would take the free win all day. Yeah, but then you would... I'd push. It would push. <laughs> How can they push 10 and a half, Trev? <laughs> yeah, you would take... The, you would, yeah. <laughs> That'd be great. Um, <laughs> then you would just... Yeah, I mean, you would probably lose your total, so then you would go one and two. Correct, so then it's just... It, <laughs> just no help in it. Uh, Jack, what's your second pick? Uh, I'm going to go Lions minus eight and a half. No other reason. You guys are loving these big spreads. Mm-hmm. I mean, I took an underdog my first pick. Uh, you love the big spreads. <laughs> I actually do. I tend to pick big spreads a lot. Uh, I just think they're nine points better than the Bears. <laughs> I really do. The Bears want to lose. They should lose. Fields coming back. Uh, is Justin Fields starting? I don't. He's questionable. He I think I no, like he, so. He, he intends to play, which I almost think might might help you here. Yeah, and the Lions weren't close. They, what they got blown up by the Ravens, and they was that two weeks ago, and then last week it was the Chargers game. That's I think that's right. So, they had they had a buy in between there, but yes. Okay, I I think they're they're going to go back to a more dominant Lions team. I, they can they can definitely win by nine against this Bears team at home. I loved your first reasoning behind that. I just think they're nine points better than the Bears. They're exactly nine points better than the Bears. Okay. Well, luckily for me, you guys didn't take either of my two top picks, so that worked out. I was a little nervous when I picked my total first, but I couldn't risk losing it. Was that on your radar? Any? Were you guys going to choose that for your total, the Thursday no. night game? No. Originally, but I do like it. Okay. All right, so uh, my first one... I'm going to double down on the Thursday night game and I'll be going with the Bengals plus three and a half. Mm-hmm. Since 2020, that's Burrow's tenure as a Bengal minus the half season that he missed with the torn ACL. Cincinnati is 16, seven and one against the spread after a loss, which is the best in the league in that span. And I also think I'm kind of employing the same rationale as I did last week. I don't really think these two teams are different. And I thought that the same uh, last week when they played the Browns and I thought six points was way too much. 
I mean, it's three and a half this week, but I think this is going to come right down to the wire. Gun to my head, I think I'd pick the Bengals to win. Ravens are also going to be without Ronnie Stanley and Marlon Humphrey for this game. So those are two significant players that they'll be missing. And I read this off last week, but just looking at the quarterbacks that the Ravens have faced, I'll just repeat it just in case anyone forgot, but CJ Stroud in his first start, Joe Burrow, I know they play him this time, but he was clearly injured. This was week two, I think. Something like that. Gardner Minshew, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, Kenny Pickett, a half of Malik Willis, Josh Dobbs, Deshaun Watson, and then a quarter and a half of P.J. Walker. So I think the Ravens as a team, I'm not quite as high on them as other people are. I think they're definitely going to fade down the stretch, especially as their schedule gets tougher here. And uh, I even like Bengals money line. So I'll take them with the three and a half. Let me write that down. And my next pick is going to be the Titans plus seven. Uh, We kind of hinted at it a little bit before, but I like the spot a lot. I think seven points is a little bit too much. I know the Titans haven't looked great, but they have good historical success against Jacksonville. Mike Vrabel-led Titans teams are 7-3 and three straight up against the Jaguars, and they've only allowed 17 points per game in those 10 games. And also, I think it hasn't necessarily worked out for the past few times this happened, but Mike, Vrab- Mike Vrabel-led Titans teams still have a good record as an underdog. Uh, they are 29-20-1 and one against the spread since 2018, which is the seventh best in the league in that span. So... I'm not calling the Titans win. I think they can get it within seven and uh, feel pretty good about it. Jags haven't looked too great and they still have to play the Titans twice. So give me the Titans plus seven. Jack, your total. Uh, I'm going to tough between. I like the over in that game. You just said the Titans Jags. I do also really like the Bengals plus three and a half. Those are the other spread I was deliberating on. Uh, but I'm going to go with the Cowboys-Panthers over 41.5. I'm just, maybe as recently biased of what we saw with the Cowboys this past week, how they just beat up on a bad defense um, in the Giants. Well, they, did they end with like 47? Something like that, yeah. It was 49-17. Uh, yeah, that's that's a lot. I feel like it's just going to be the same game, and then maybe the Panthers can get some garbage time. Um. I mean, all we need is what? 28, 14. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. your total. I'm just going to root for fun football, and it's going to be the most nervous I've been for a game so far this year. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take the over 45 and a half in, in Birds Chiefs. Um, I think I th- I, the, it's it's half heart, half head. Like I, we're so due for like a fun, like high scoring primetime game, and it feels like this would be the game to give it to us if there was ever going to be one. Um, I think the Eagles coming off the bye week, getting the extra week to kind of. I while the offense has gotten better every week, I, I still think that there's some communication issues and things that had to get worked out. I hope that over the bye week, those are things that they were able to kind of be able to smooth over. 
So I think they're going to come out ready to go. Um, and I think this is going to be the time of the year where the Chiefs offense kind of reminds people that they are, in fact, the Chiefs offense. So, I mean, what, a 20, a 27-20 game? Either way, we get the job done. I feel like that's very doable for this game. So it's half rooting for fun, half what I think, how I think the game will go. All right. Fair enough. Chiefs also coming off a buy as well. So. Oh, yeah. Play that. Double buys. All right. To recap what we have picked, I have the Bengals plus three and a half, Titans plus seven, and the Bengals Ravens under 46. Jack has the Vikings plus two and a half, the Lions minus eight and a half, and the Cowboys Panthers over 41 and a half. Treff has the Cowboys minus 10 and a half, the 49ers minus 11 and a half. And the Eagles Chiefs over 45 and a half. Jeff, I don't want to have to remind you what happened last time you picked the 49ers. So I don't know if you thought about that, but that's another consideration. Well, the last time I picked the 49ers was last week, right? Oh, did you? Yes. Sorry. That was my win. Okay. You're, you're forming new memories with them because week two yeah. <laughs> yeah. was one of the worst beats but, of all time. Yeah. Yeah. No, we don't talk about that one. But okay. I sorry. forget. All right. Week two. What happened? Week two. Yeah, was so that, was, the, the, the 49ers were eight-point favorites. They were up by 10. Rams yes. had the ball. Four seconds left around the 30-yard line, I mean, and they yeah, decided to get a field goal of all time. Yep, yep. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so. That's PTSD coming back now. We will see. Uh, my honorable mentions were the Seahawks minus one. I think, they're, I think they can get the Rams. They already lost to them, but I think they'll split with them and they'll win. And two teams that are really bad, but... I really like the number. I just didn't have the stones to pick them. Were the Jets plus seven? Yeah, that's. I mean, oh, the poachers are going to keep putting blind faith in the Bills. I don't know. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't bet on Zach Wilson, but I was considering that one. And something that's really gross. Uh, I kind of like the Giants plus nine and a half. I feel like it's a little too much, but I could not. <laughs> I, kind of I could not put my faith in Tommy DeVito. So <laughs> part of when when I was talking about my, my plan on the big spreads, I, I was looking at the Dolphins too. I know the Raiders have started looking a little frisky, but this this feels like a classic Dolphins like stomp on their throat game type of type of deal. Like, and I think A Chain's coming back too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I. 12 and a half initially felt like a lot for the Raiders. Maybe I'm just kind of forgetting about the Dolphins. Like, I, I don't know. I, I keep flip-flopping. They're at home, too. Tua has uh, dreadlocks now, I believe. He, he had the braids going today. So I yeah, they have the point or two. It seems like there's good vibes over there. Yes, they're also off a of bye week as well. Mm-hmm. All right, folks. That is today's show. Hope you enjoyed. Um, another week. And I uh, hope your teams are doing well. And best of luck as the home stretch of fantasy comes through and uh, the home stretch of the NFL season. So make that playoff push. Go football. Go football. <laughs>